0: All right, welcome to Zero Gia: history of forgotten phones. My name is Peter Rojas. I'm a partner at BetaWorks Ventures and uh, joined by my co-host.
1: Hi, I'm Christy Pitts. I'm a partner at Backstage Capital.
0: And this is a show where we reminisce about, I think, uh, the, I wanna call it the golden age of smartphones, but it's really the sort of phones from before the iPhone came out that a lot of us have forgotten about. Um, back when smartphones were allowed to be a little weird and mm-hmm. so we're going to we're gonna reminisce. But we have a very special guest with us today, a very good friend of mine, Jason Gordon, who's a vice president at Gogoro, which is not a phone company. It's actually uh, in the uh, scooter mobility space, but uh, is sort of like the, the Zelig or Forrest Gump of the smartphone era. Uh, Jason, do you want to introduce yourself and just sort of, you're the guy that has been like kind of part of so many of uh, the important uh, uh, developments uh, in the early days of, of mobile phones.
2: Yeah, I feel really old now that you're talking. Like when you talk about the golden age of phones, it's it's true. I guess you know I've been been around the block from just a, a PDA kind of you know pocket PC type fan and user in the '90s uh, on through the the trio phone to the Windows phone to the Android phone. And it was a part of all those uh, launches, actually. I'd say, actually, you know, the only ones I've been a part of it have been the Apple launches. <laughs> but I like love we going
1: <laughs> through all those models because that's basically like um, bringing you up to speed. If you're just listening to this episode for the first time, those are all the phones yeah. we we're already discussing.
0: Yeah, we're, we're, we've been we've been digging through the past. So, so you but you started off at Handspring.
2: Yeah, back in, uh, wow, a long time ago. When I moved to Hong Kong in 2000. With uh, a marketing consulting firm, and the first client that I, I signed was Handspring actually, and so I ended up launching. And they didn't have an office there; it was just basically me. Uh, I ended up launching uh, the visors, uh, the 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 uh, what, what do we call it? The visor phone, visor and then uh, actually launched the Trio in Hong Kong. I think it was the first uh, market launch. It was, wow. the- was it the Trio?
0: Was it the nine? The Trio ninety? Was was that the one that was the I trying to remember what was the one before. I think the think
2: we, we you know we launched two. The one hundred and eighty. Yeah, we launched one with the keyboard and one with the stylus. Yeah, um, and I so, remember getting that in the mail the first time, and it was just it was so cool. Actually, the same with the visor phone. The first time I made a call, you know, with the springport uh, springboard, putting the visor phone in that was pretty special.
0: But you got to explain to people like what because at this point nobody even remembers the the visor or the springboard or any of this stuff. So why don't you explain to, to the audience?
2: So Handspring was a company that was founded by Donna Dubinsky, Jeff Hawkins, and Ed Colligan, who were all alumni of Palm, and the founders of Palm, actually. And they had come from different you know, areas in, in the technology industry in the Bay Area. And uh, they left Palm and started a company. And they created a PDA that had this idea of uh, expansion with a springboard module. Uh, and this idea of, you know, it, it, the possibilities were limitless. You could add anything to it. In fact, uh, even Hansman created a fun one, a glide a floss uh, springboard where it just had floss in there. You could floss. just pull it out. Um, like
1: remember, floss for your teeth? Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah kind of <laughs> hold commercial. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So you're using your phone like you're, you make a phone call. And then at, at what point do you take the floss out of the phone?
2: It was just the idea. I mean, oh, I don't. Okay. You know, I think. Uh, you know. Hey, hygiene I'm, is I'm important. I'm afraid to say. I'm afraid to say a lot of early adopters maybe didn't use it because they're not necessarily known as the most hygienic people back then. So maybe that's why they did it. I don't know.
0: But so, but so, it, I remember there was a camera mod. I think it had like a 128 by 128 grayscale camera module.
2: It, it did. it Was it called the I? What was it called? I, it was the I something. No, I don't remember actually. The I module or. I had it. I just don't remember it.
0: I remember I bought one for um, my girlfriend at the time. who's now my wife. Uh, Cause she had a, a handspring. And, um, and I remember being like, you can take pictures now with this.
2: Yeah. And if you, uh, you know, you know, the interesting thing about handspring and palm, and I don't know if you want to continue like in the kind of genealogy of this, but actually it kind of came crashing down when, when it was beating palm really bad and palm, basically, flooded the market and lowered the price and basically killed the Palm OS, uh, you know, device platform in the process. It was, a, I don't know if you remember, it was a huge, yeah. huge yeah. issue. At the time, you know, Palm was licensing the OS to Handspring, but also creating competitive products to yeah. Handspring, and, which and is always a bad, a yeah. bad, a bad yeah. scenario. Well,
0: and, and we, I mean, and there was also Sony, which had the CLA line, which yeah. those were pretty good. They I mean, were. Those were, I thought at the time, the best mobile devices uh, you could probably find in terms of design.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think Sony was always is still, you know, in certain areas, like amazing innovators. Like you look at like what they've done with the camera lines now. I mean, they're like they've come to a market and, you know, taken leadership of it. Yeah. So they, they did that back in the day. All right. so, so you're at Handspring. Uh,
0: you were there before they were acquired by uh, by Palm. Right?
2: Yeah, I think I, I think a couple. I don't know. Remember what year I think that was? Two thousand
0: three,
2: I, I think. Yeah, I left. I left Hong Kong uh, in two thousand two when Microsoft recruited me to be a product manager for Windows Mobile, oh. um, which was called Pocket PC back in the day. And that I joined Microsoft a few days before we launched uh, the XDA with O2. Oh so wow! It back to, yeah, it was like I joined like uh, June first or second of 2002. And I think we did it like June 3rd or something.
0: And so could you just give us a a sense of where Microsoft was with windows mobile at the time?
2: I think like Microsoft probably doesn't get enough credit from the early days as an innovator in mobile. If you look back at, uh, you know, the original smartphone, uh, that Bill Gates demoed, uh, back in, in the late, late nineties, uh, in Geneva, uh, I think it was called I. Uh, I forgot the name of the show, but he actually demoed the first kind of non-touchscreen smartphone. It was this idea of a one-handed smartphone. Yeah, uh, it was way ahead of, the, ahead of its time, really. And then you add kind of the the leadership in touchscreen at the time, and so it was it was pretty far ahead. I mean, I think uh, you know we could talk. We could spend the whole podcast talking about what Microsoft did right and what Microsoft <laughs> did wrong. But Microsoft committed a ton a ton of money to R and D. To market development, to working with carriers, uh, and I think they made some pretty strategic errors along the way. I remember being, you know, if you're, from that time to a few years later, you know, we we would have this meeting of you know 20, 20 plus people, uh, where we were talking about apps and and you know what was how important were apps to the ecosystem, and there was definitely uh, mixed opinions. Like, and there were we had and there were arguments. I, mean, I remember, and a guy named Eric Idas ran that that meeting. And and he was always very outspoken that we needed to, you know, mature the market for apps. And uh, there was a whole team that was focused on that, but it just wasn't a major at the time focus for Microsoft.
0: Well, it was also. I mean, it was harder to install apps at the time. This is something we talked about on an earlier podcast. It wasn't quite. I mean, discovery and installation was a much more complex process. I I mean, on all platforms, not just Windows Mobile.
1: That's true.
2: True, but that's. But I, I. Yes, you're right, but that partially was because it wasn't facilitated yeah like apple really was the first to come in and really say we're going to commit to this with the fun they launched on the day they you know announced the platform and uh and and that's you know i think i think it's less about being able to find apps and more about you know the companies that had the platforms providing them
0: well yeah there's there's so much that uh uh, that I'd love to 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 hear about, and you and I have known each other a long time. We first met 15 years ago. I know that makes me feel really
2: old. You <laughs> we were talking about Jill, like you know, being your girlfriend back. I was like, yeah, I remember when she was your girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> I met I met her at Euro Disney actually. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: I love this that. Uh, so so Christy, um, so you want to talk about Mobius a little bit because it's something that was really unique and thought and very forward thinking about what Microsoft did and the way it was thinking about mobile and, and the community that was growing around it.
1: Yeah, it's sure, sure are
2: we cool to be jumping around? Is that fine with you guys? Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you
2: know, I think Mobius was I was just talking to someone the other day. Mobius was still way ahead of its time. And I, I don't even think there's any company that does it well now. But the idea started with uh, Derek Brown and Beth Goza at Microsoft mm-hmm. before I had gotten there. It was just yeah like six months before I got there. And the idea was that Microsoft was getting into this space, but didn't have a ton of um, relationships with, you know, bloggers and, in, you know, the editorial community, you know, at large. And so they said, you know, you know, who, you know, who we really need to go after is all these Palm people, all these Palm, you know, fans. And so they actually facilitated an event in Seattle where they invited all these Palm, you know, yeah, passionate Palm users and Palm, um, uh what, kind of and, followers and influencers
0: and this i mean and we forget but there was i mean there was palm info center there was um oh
2: yeah i mean every
0: every there all these sites with palm in the name
2: uh, yeah, trio central, I trio think central
0: was one. yeah uh the trio central was like a little label well, after this it might it but so it um uh there was i think there's palm info center there was um uh god i'm trying to remember all the names of them now i know <laughs> um, i know it's
2: kind of- a bummer uh, this,
0: uh, th- th- but but there was this like vibrant community of people that had these sort of niche sites focused on one specific, you know, uh, sec- segment of the community. And and I got invited to Mobius in 2002 when I was doing Gizmodo and I had, I had just started off. I mean, I was maybe I'd been doing Gizmodo for maybe like three or four months at that point. And I remember being super intimidated to be invited to this event <laughs> in Redmond with to me, the, all the giants of, 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 uh, of online kind of, uh, they weren't even blogs, really. It was just sort of like the communities and, and all these people, um, and people that are still, mm-hmm. a lot of them who are still active today. I mean, that's where I met Rich from phone scoop, for example, who yep. is, yep. um, you know, still going strong and like one of the most, you know, smartest, most credible people around mobile, uh, I've ever met. And, um, and, and so sort of for me, like becoming part of that community was actually it was really great because I got to nerd out with people um, and just talk about phones all day. But the idea that a big company would in 2002 and 2003 would go and kind of proactively try to, um, you know, reach out to the community and try to, try to, try to work with them. And I mean, you gave people, I I wouldn't say it was like super confidential information, but you kind of took people under embargo and said, look, we're going to trust you with information that, you know, we don't necessarily want public and things like that. It was like really,
2: yeah, it was, it was an embargoed non nda event, which meant we, well, you know, we trust you yeah. uh, and you're in the circle of trust. And it was really used, you know, to, to listen to feedback, uh, kind of bounce ideas off of, and it wasn't just an event. It became a kind of an ongoing discussion through a forum, uh, that continued, pr- I mean, for a long time. And, uh, it, it actually ended up just being, you know, Shut down by Microsoft, which is kind of sad. And we actually started something similar at HTC. Kind of make up for that.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so uh, you know, after it, it, I mean, we're going to bounce on around a little bit, but um, you know, after uh, uh, you joined Microsoft, you did. Um, uh, you know, you sort of were there at this moment when um, you know the HTC, like I mean, the 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 smartphone stuff hadn't quite come out yet. And Pocket PC had, I mean, Pocket PC was introduced in like, I think like 2001 or was that 2002?
2: I think it was April of 2002 in New Orleans, yeah. I believe. Um,
0: right. So you're there sort of right at the beginning, but also as it started to shift and become um, a much, you know, bigger focus for the company. Uh, but internally, I mean, you talked about this debate around apps. I mean, what was sort of the the perspective long term around um, mobile as a product for consumer because the thing that always struck me question. is yeah that it struck me as odd was the way that the platform was bifurcated between the yes the smartphone stuff and the pocket PC stuff
2: and I would say even before we talk about that uh, really this idea of front office versus back office purchase uh, and at that point Microsoft was still you know although sold a lot of you know office apps and, and Windows was still really kind of a, a front office type product meaning that it would sell to businesses who would then give, you know, the computers to their their consumers. And Microsoft, you know, wanted to stick with that in in the, you know, m- mobile phone model, uh, obviously knowing it had to work with carriers, but still wanted to sell, you know, thousands of phones at once. And so there was this pretty huge kind of climax or disagreement internally about, you know, to be successful, Microsoft having to go directly to the consumer. And I think, you know, uh, Juhok Christensen at the time was, you know, one of the founders of Symbian, uh, pretty well-known mobile um, executive at the, that point, came into Microsoft and was really preaching this idea of we need to sell phones to the consumer. We need to create phones for the consumer. And that was, I think, not, um, there was an agreement uh, with regards to the, you know, the C-level and, you know, other executives there. And there's
0: sort of this uh, maybe cliche that the, that the target is always BlackBerry.
2: I think initially, no, I yeah. think the BlackBerry kind of compete story came on a couple years later when they had like code names, like crossbow, which is actually <laughs> a, you know, a BlackBerry, you know, you know, chemical to kill blackberries uh <laughs> there was a code name called crossbow um and that that was a couple of years later when it just became you know when, when rim and blackberry was exploding uh you know in the market that's when uh. <laughs> it was a so, it wasn't a specific device it was a, a platform update it was a, a, it was a new <laughs> version of software. So, so if you remember, like back in the day, initially, yes. you know, for email, yes. you, there wasn't really this. I mean, there was big discussions around push yeah. and pull and scheduled email, mm-hmm. and BlackBerry had to figure it figured out because they, you know, they had they had the whole end to end kind of server client, you know, um, relationship, and Microsoft didn't quite have that with Exchange, and so we spent a lot of time looking at, you know, how do we schedule emails? How do we ping the network to see if there's any new, you know, messages? And if I if I remember right, Crossbow. Uh, you know, how to, you know, some of that technology that allowed you to get your email more in an automated way. (laughs) But now you're going to, you know, a bunch of your listeners are going to call, you know, that I used to work with. No, that's not the case. It was a different version, but I think that is the the case.
0: I I think you may be grossly overestimating our (laughs) audience (laughs) size.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, each, each one of
0: us is required to recruit one other listener.
2: Nice. Okay. <laughs> so it was absolutely crossbow, which was the big compete story. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: was that, um, just a question on the exchange. Was that exchange active sync? That yes. technology?
2: Yes, exactly. And it was, it was, I mean, ActiveSync existed before that, but it was the, uh, innovation within ActiveSync sync kind of progressing to enable yeah. more, um, you know, push, pull type, uh, email. Yeah. Um, which, you know, the, the irony, the irony is even a lot of the technology now isn't, isn't full automated. As you get a new email, it comes in. I mean, even, you know, iPhone's not a, a real time exactly when it comes in, it actually still does kind of a scheduled thing. They just mm-hmm. have done a really good job of kind of covering up that, you know, what it looks like is, you know, waiting, etc.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think if you have, uh, especially multiple, email apps on your phone and you're also sitting in front of your computer, you can really start to see the, exactly. the kind of cadence of each um, application in terms of how, what, when it's really pulling something down. Um, okay. So, so you left, I remember this, so I remember this, you left Microsoft to go to Motorola. Uh,
2: yeah. So I left Microsoft uh, in, I think I resigned in June of 2005 and then I started it at Microsoft in July of 2000 uh, or the same year.
0: The, two weeks later in, yeah, motorola, yeah. And, and and you worked yeah. um and i remember you worked a lot on the queue i love the
1: queue i sold so many
2: Qs, jason <laughs> uh, nice The oh, exactly i mean we uh before we could jump on the queue the first product i worked on right when i got there yeah. um that was actually being commercialized was the um uh the what, what was it called the motorola um oh i'm spacing now <laughs> it had double hinge i think the mpx yeah, MPX. Oh yes, I we uh, talked about, the, about that. I think. The MPX. I had one. So and I do have one now, <laughs> but and you know the, the tragedy of that because it was actually a super cool device yeah. was, uh, uh, you know the memory it had 32 megs uh, of memory and so it basically was was dead on arrival. It only, I think it only shipped in Hong Kong. I don't know, even. No, 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 no. It people. only
0: shipped in in uh, Brunei.
2: Oh, really? I think, oh, yeah. okay. Okay. <laughs> I, my, my memory serves me differently, but maybe, maybe
0: I, so. I, I, I see that was, I was I seem to remember, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I remember somebody uh, that being like a point where like, they'd only shipped in like one obscure territory, it's
2: like Southeast, basically Southeast, Southeast Asia, right, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so it was, it was a kind of a bummer. I remember being, you know, when we saw it about to die, I remember we were trying to figure out how do we do it? How do we like keep this going? And it was just agreed. You know, it was, a. uh, uh you know, huge mistake in terms of how much memory it had really killed it. Yeah. So then, you know, but, and they really did back to your point, they really did uh, bring me in to talk about how to choreograph and how to announce the Moto Q. Yeah. But, but but just but to
0: stop on the, 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 this, just, just before we move on from the Mpx, it was such an innovative hardware design. Like why, why do you think there was no like that? It just, it became like an evolutionary dead end. Like no, it kind of stopped with that device. And I, I thought it, it felt like a little bit of a missed opportunity just because it, it was pretty cool the way it worked.
2: Yeah. Well, it was cool. I think there was some, wind, you know, software issues with how it worked. And again, it was competing directly with BlackBerry. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, that was, it was created, to create BlackBerry. Microsoft worked with Motorola specifically to help create that device to do that. Yeah. And so I think they had some great enterprise sales and, you know, like obviously Ryzen sold some in stores. Oh, no, but
0: I mean like the MPX, think, not the Q. I'm sorry. I,
2: I, oh, oh, the MPX. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I think it was, a, it was a huge opportunity lost. I mean, I think, you know, everyone at Microsoft was very excited about it. Uh, I think there's probably several people at Microsoft or at least alums that still have the, the device, like I, I mentioned to you. Uh, and I think if it had the right, uh, you know, memory, mostly I think it came down to memory, yeah. to be honest with you, because it, w- it wouldn't run apps because it didn't have enough no, memory.
0: I remember that. I made the mistake of taking it with me as my phone for a trip to Europe.
2: Cause I needed unlo- it. I was
0: like, I need an unlocked phone. And so I brought this phone with me and it crashed all the time
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. because
0: of the memory issue.
2: Um, uh, I think the first time I ever saw that and in my memory, I was in an offsite at Microsoft actually, when I first saw it and the razor phone at the same time, yeah. the first time that was my first time, like I was in a meeting and, uh, they brought Motorola brought it out and showed both those to us, and we were, we were just like, "Wow, this you yeah. know, MPX is amazing, and this Razer is, you know, groundbreaking." And one of them, one of them was, one of them was. <laughs> well, how how much
0: or how how long before the Razer was officially announced? Did you see it?
2: Probably three, probably three to four months. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember exactly, but it was definitely several months before it shipped, and it was, it was amazing.
0: And was there a sense at the time that like? we have a hit on our hands or
2: yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't work at Motorola at the time. Yeah. I worked at Microsoft when they showed it to me, I was like, absolutely. Yeah. And this is, this is groundbreaking. I mean, it was, it was so far ahead of, of the game and, and the design was just, it was beautiful. Yeah. But it didn't run windows. It did not run windows. <laughs> uh,
0: and so, okay. So the talk about the queue. So I remember I, I found, I, we, I mean, we did, we talked about this in an episode a couple, a uh, couple episodes ago, but uh, this, this, I found out about it very early on from Summer at Motorola before you joined uh, yeah. who told me about the Razorberry. He like couldn't contain his excitement. <laughs> yep. And he said, that was the code name. Yep. Yeah. And then I published that. And then I got cease and desist from both Motorola and BlackBerry, okay. <laughs> <laughs> which I was like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm onto something here.
2: You still have those, those, you just frame them. Uh,
0: I, I, yeah. I wish I had all that <laughs> stuff. Um, I've got a lot of cease and desist over the years. Um, I bet, I bet. but, uh, the best was when, um, in ga- uh, T-Mobile sent us a cease and desist for Engadget Mobile because they thought that the T at the end of Engadget in front of Mobile would confuse people, oh. and also the logo Gosh. I think was in like a magenta-ish color. So, yeah, we just ignored wow. it. Wow. Uh, but anyway, okay. So, so, so Moto Q. This was, as you said, the answer. Sort of the answer of the BlackBerry was brought some of that razor styling, and this was another big thing. I mean, I remember I flew out to chicago for the launch of
2: the phone yeah Um, well there was a couple launch there was the unveiling of it and then there was actually the announcement availability of it with verizon because it was it was an exclusive right to verizon yeah absolutely and it was uh it was announced uh it's amazing how you remember some of these dates it was announced may 22nd 2006 i remember i was in dc when we were actually making the, the announcement with verizon uh, and so we'd sold, we, we had shown it like uh, under, you know, embargo to, to several press. I think we were in front, maybe, uh, I think we were meeting with Walt. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I was in uh, DC. Well, and then we went to New York that the next day.
1: So I've got to thank you for launching the Motorola Q because I think, um, I probably put down a significant down payment on my Honda Civic at the time. <laughs> because <laughs> of the commission checks I earned from nice. selling Motorola Q. It was amazing. I was in enterprise sales, actually, at the time. So,
2: oh, got it. Okay. Yeah,
1: and that was the thing is there were so perfect. many companies that were resistant to setting up Bez, and through Verizon's employee discount programs, they could get the Q for very low equipment cost. So I used to go out. Uh, I was in San Jose, so I'd go out to like um, a lot of the big companies at the time in San Jose with <laughs> stacks of Qs and just set them up <laughs> in the cafeterias oh. for employees.
2: You know, it was quite popular, actually. I mean, I, I mean, it, a lot of people loved it, and because it was replacing that, uh, you know, Blackberry experience with more of a Windows experience, so it worked, uh, you know, integrated a little bit, you know, easier into uh, the Exchange environment, etc. So, it was it was popular and it had that place in in history, but I think that was that was kind of as the industry was transitioning away from a non-touch yeah. screen to touch screen. It, to wasn't touch screen. T- it wasn't a touch screen. So I ended up only being yeah. at Motorola for like mm-hmm. a year and a half. That's
0: right. The other thing I remember Correct. about the screen is it was slightly off center, mm-hmm. which drove me crazy. Yeah, it was. <laughs> like antenna. Was it was,
2: that? An that antenna was an antenna issue? Antenna. I remember that was antenna. Uh,
0: it was one of those things where um, I remember, I mean, you know, this was a gadget blogger, right? And you, you kind of nitpick this stuff and you're just like, can't you just move it over like a millimeter? Like what's the problem?
2: I know. I know. I know. is that funny? Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I think the common, you know, common man doesn't really understand the And <laughs> I don't either, actually, the engineering and the RF, you know, engineers involved. I mean, if you look at the laboratories, and, uh, you know, the places where they test this stuff and engineer it, it's pretty incredible. But I mean, they're trying to cram so much into, you know, a small package. And back then, I mean, it was the basics. Now, I mean, they can integrate so much more. Well,
0: I said, like, we forget, but the, the phones didn't have Wi-Fi. They, I mean, they, they, they I don't remember if the Q had a removable battery or not. I think it didn't. It
2: did. It, it did. did. Okay. It, did. It, did. Yeah,
0: it did. Oh, because it's, because you could get the battery pack, the extended battery, it, right?
2: You could get extended yeah. and it had a really yeah. ugly yeah. kind <laughs> of back to
0: it. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. now it's taken, it's taken me all back. Um, so. Had mini USB.
2: Mm-hmm. It was
0: mini USB, yeah, I remember. Oh, that's right. Which was sort of the the middle, like the unloved middle yep. child in between U.S. before and, micro, yeah, before micro. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, the one thing you asked me f- to prepare for this, I said if you have any funny anecdotes from any of this time, um, not to put you on the spot, oh, yeah. but I certainly have funny ones uh, that I remember from these days, but.
2: Well, I mean, there's so many stories. I mean, we haven't even talked about Android or HTC. I mean, was well, HTC I like was HTC can for get seven
0: to, years. We can get to I feel like we can get so, to that.
2: Uh, like, I mean, I think there's some interesting stories early on uh, with Android, uh, both when we first unveiled Android with, uh, you know, Andy in, you know, at Google. Uh, and then also when we unveiled the first phone, the G1 with T-Mobile yep. in New York.
1: Yeah.
2: I think there's, you know, several anecdotes and stories with regards to that. And like, you know, the kind of the interesting dynamic between andy and in and, you know the google founders et cetera. it was it was pretty interesting let's so, talk about it yeah because because you like well you know larry and sergey came into that g1 event on rollerblades they were doing <laughs> uh, the same day they were doing a google maps google maps event like over at grand central station i guess or something and they literally rollerbladed from grand central station to we were by i'm not sure what bridge we were do you remember Pete? What bridge that event was at for the G one? You know, I was not at that event for, and I don't, oh, and I weren't. don't remember why.
0: Um, and and, and I can't, and I, I remember. I mean, I had seen it. I mean, I remember uh, getting a look at the phone before it was announced, but I don't remember being at the event, and sure. I do not recall why. I might have had a conflict or something, but um,
2: yeah. So they came blazing uh, in on rollerblades. I've never seen you like it. It was amazing. It was my first interaction with them at that point, point. and so I was like, wow, you know, this is you know pretty incredible. And at that point, you know, I mean, they were, you know there were stars like they are now. And Andy was kind of in some ways, even though he'd come from danger, et cetera, was kind of the new guy. And so there's definitely this interesting dynamic and they definitely had, you know, interesting perspectives on HTC. I, I remember one comment, like who is this company HTC? Like, like <laughs> one of them saying, <laughs> cause HTC really wasn't, was kind of an unknown yeah. at that point. I mean, we had, you know, we had, you know, done a bunch of products for Microsoft, uh, both phones and, you know, like iPacks before that. But,
0: but HTC hadn't really been a, f- consumer facing brand no at the time at and i think people forget that that how much HEC actually did manufacture i mean you did i i, I want to say you did the trios uh
2: there was they did a little bit of the trio it wasn't the whole thing uh, from the beginning um i think the first thing it did like you know the you know the uh xda mda those yeah. the ipacs yep. i think probably the, iPacks, the, I remember the that. first product that they did that blew it out was ipacs i remember peter chow took the the CEO for a long time at HTC, uh, you know, said when they first started um, shipping the IPAC, he got uh, the first order from from Compaq. And I, I think it was like 300,000. And he yelled at the accounting person, like, how could you make a mistake? They're ordering 3,000. And you're telling me 300,000. They're like, no, no, they're ordering 300,000. These things are selling. <laughs> and it took, them, it took them like six plus months to catch up because it was just such a, a phenomenal success. Yeah.
0: Um, so what was that? I mean, you were in the middle. I so you were in the middle of the transition from HTC becoming uh, a consumer-facing brand, and you had a very senior role at the company. Uh, I mean, well, you know, running essentially.
2: I think when I left, yeah. I mean, I think it was you know, HTC was such a great uh, company for me to join. Someone that you know, grew up, you know, even you know, as, as a teenager, I was passionate about mobile and computing, and to to do that. Uh, you know, work with, you know, Handspring and then, you know, go to Microsoft and little time at Motorola and then be, to be able to get to HTC, which really was kind of the leading innovator and really the only company taking big risks and trying new things uh, was was pretty awesome. And so it was fun to be part of the transition from being kind of uh, a no-name brand uh, called High Tech yep. Computer <laughs> to helping kind of create, create, you know, what the HTC brand was and meant uh, to consumers, to carriers, et cetera. And it really, you know, for several years meant the latest and greatest in terms of innovation, in terms of design. And so it's fun for me. And at the same time, you know, Peter brought on, you know, several, several other executives. I mean, I think Horace, who's my current boss now at Goverow, was really kind of the major first hire of this kind of new group of people that were going to help take HTC into a new, a new demographic, a new kind of mass market uh, um, audience. And so, you know, Horace came in. With just amazing ideas from a design, hardware perspective as well as software, and so that's when you know I think HTC really started you know picking up speed and, and doing some pretty amazing things. Initially on on Windows with products like uh, the Diamond,
1: uh, which was completely diamond.
2: you know kind of out of this world. Yeah, yeah, uh, which was amazing.
1: Why didn't the Diamond ever launch on Verizon? Can you tell me? Oh, that? I
0: can't tell you that. No, <laughs> you can't because you don't know, or because you can't tell us.
1: Uh,
2: I, I honestly don't remember. I, I I to be honest with you, I don't re- remember why. I mean, but you know, back in the day, it was you know there were difficult discussions and negotiations, and uh you know the diamond you know launched big uh in in most of the world.
1: Yeah, because I ran a sales contest for like six weeks for the diamond, and then uh, I had a winner. And I had like hyped this thing up, and then the phone never launched. And then, <laughs> I,
2: I'm sure there's some amazing. <laughs> so, story. Julia
1: Smith Otis, if you're listening to this, I still remember.
2: You owe him, him a phone. Later. I'm, sorry.
1: I'm still, I'm still sorry that I couldn't get you the diamond.
2: <laughs> I, I don't real I don't honestly remember why. It's just uh, okay. you know, the diamond was not huge in the U.S. It was not. It didn't. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't. Didn't pick up the momentum in the U.S. like it did in other markets. But the,
0: the diamond was the first phone that where you, I believe, you brought in that kind of um, signature
2: widget, HGC right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Touch uh. flow. I think we called it touch flow. Yeah. And it had this kind of 3d, uh, you know, effect. And that was designed, uh, you know, mostly in Seattle, uh, a team led by Drew Bamford and, uh, a bunch of other designers had come from Microsoft and other design studios that Horace had brought in. So there was, there was a ton of innovation from a hardware perspective, as well as a, a software and user interface, uh, perspective that kind of covered up a lot of what Microsoft was doing in Windows Mobile and tried to make it more user-friendly. And, and the the kind of the irony of it is Microsoft was trying to take a lot of credit for it at the time.
1: Okay. So can we, so when you, so when Android launched, you were still at Motorola or you were no, at HTC? No, no, I time? was
2: HTC. I literally was in the room when we unveiled Android to the world. Um, it was in the actual room was uh, Andy, the executives were Andy Rubin. Peter Chow mm-hmm. and Ed, uh, Ed Zander from Motorola. And then I was there with Peter, uh, uh a woman named Erin Fors was there with Andy. And then, uh, another, uh, you know, communications person was with, with, uh, Ed. And we had, uh, we had Larry and Sergey on video conference for the announcement in the call. Uh, and I, I think Eric, Eric was on it too, but I don't remember if he was with them or not. And that's when we literally announced Android and the open handset Alliance, et cetera. Uh, That was that announcement. And then uh, I think it was, you know, 10 months later or something that the G one was unveiled uh, with T-Mobile in New York. And and the original Android was more like a BlackBerry. Uh, What do you mean by that? Well, I thought the, I remember when
0: I first kind of started to hear about it, it was like the device was more like, had a kind of like BlackBerry style with a keyboard and, um, like you know, sm- the,
2: the, there were two products. I mean, I think there was a product that had that form factor, Yeah. but really the G1, uh, um, I think we called it, I'm trying to remember what we called the, might've been the dream, might've been codenamed dream as well. Um, I think that was really, uh, the product we were taking big, had, yeah. it had a cool kind of sliding hinge, had a completely mm-hmm. different form factor. It was a bit kind of fat. Um, uh but it had some cool elements to it. And I think Android Android was a you know a different perspective than anything anyone had seen at that point. And what
0: was it like navigating the relationship for having been uh, so closely aligned with Microsoft and Windows Mobile and then to diversify into Android?
2: I think it's difficult. I mean I mean we we created you know we created several Windows phones um after we started working with Android. It wasn't, you know, like we just turned our back and yeah. moved down to Android. It was uh, I mean, at least for a few years, and it went parallel, and then actually, you know, five years later, came out with some really innovative uh, Windows phones. The 8X and 8S were yep. uh, were pretty amazing, amazing phones. That in fact, it just popped up on my Facebook a couple of weeks ago of uh, the the like six year, seven year anniversary of of launching that with Steve Ballmer in New York.
0: Wow, I mean, that's a whole story in its own right. But I remember going Mobius, and I think it was 2005 out in Seattle, and Horace showed us Photon, which yeah. was supposed to be the next version of Windows Mobile, which never yeah, really shipped.
2: Yeah, it was the fall. It was like October of 2005. Because yep. it was four months after I left uh, Microsoft. And I was at Motorola, and uh, actually, we spoke We spoke in the same Mobius. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You were there. That's right. <laughs> I remember. Um, yeah. And- we, we talked about the queue. I, uh, was it the queue? I don't remember. Maybe it wasn't the queue. It was, it was, I think it was something
0: after the queue, but, um, but what, what what do you think happened there? I mean, it was, there was definitely a, a, in some respects, I mean, Windows phone was, it was definitely ahead of its time in terms of uh, being a phone OS, but uh, it it kind of felt like, and this this is sort of one of the things that happened with web OS for Palm Alto is that they were just playing catch up to the iPhone and it was too late.
2: So many people, including myself and colleagues, you know, alumni from Microsoft have had this conversation is, you know, what was the issue you know behind it not becoming successful? And I think in some ways, uh, anytime you have, you know, entrenched industry participant and someone from outside comes in and, and disrupts like the, like the iPhone did and Apple did, uh, it makes it really hard for uh, the incumbents or the, the companies trying to become the incumbent to, to continue to innovate at that level. I mean, I see that, you know, today when I look at, you know, sustainable energy and transportation where I work today is, you know, we came in as a company and were able to disrupt because we had nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, Microsoft had a lot to lose because uh, they looked at it as a pipeline for getting into enterprises and, and expanding their business in enterprises. Uh, and enterprises. And I think the landscape just changed. So, I, I mean, I think, you know, back, you know, if we go back to, to Microsoft, I mean, Microsoft had the heart, the will. Uh, invested in in so many areas, but I think there was a lot of internal politics as well. I mean, I think back to I actually th- I don't know if you remember the kin. Yes. Yes. We're wait, we're, we're saving that for a special episode. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: have a special edition for the kin.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you know, I think if you if you guys do a special episode, I mean, I, I think there's a few people that'd be awesome yeah. for you to have. Should, um, should,
0: should I get like Starkweather? You know, yeah. I
2: think, I, I think Starkweather. Yeah, Derek Snyder, Jeff McKeon. Uh, maybe Ford. Uh, I think there's a bunch of different people that could, you know, speak into that. Because um, I thought that was so cool. And I remember being in a meeting. Um, it was you no know, after Kin had launched. And I think to me, besides the form factor, which I thought was really cool, the coolest thing about the Kin was the Kin Studio. And it basically was the web kind of the the web interface to connect with everything you'd captured on your kin or everything you used to be a kin. And just the experience that that studio offered was incredible. And I don't think has been even, you know, matched to this day. And I remember being in a meeting with uh, Steve Ballmer. Um, I was at HDC, and we were talking about the kin and I said, listen, I think this, this kin studio is, is breathtaking. I mean, it's an amazing piece of technology. It's like, Oh yeah, it's great. We're going to integrate it into the platform. And, uh, you know, we never saw it again. It was gone. <laughs> I, mean, I think it was uh,
0: that the phone, uh, yeah, was killed uh, pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, we, know. we should. I still uh, have one. It was great. Um, I, I mean, I thought was, I, I, didn't like the the small one, the Kin One, but I thought the Kin Two was, uh, was. was oh, nice. I, I
2: like the small one. I thought it was such a cool form factor, and um, I think you really, if they could have, again, actually on that product, again, I wasn't there, so I, everything I say about that product um was a bit uh you know hearsay uh but um there was some major carrier relationship issues um, because it took so long to get that product to market and they missed i think for uh Verizon was it Verizon wasn't it yep i think Verizon had major commitments to blow that out and it took microsoft too long to get it to market and by the time it came to market mm-hmm. it was kind of too late and they lost those commitments and I think it's kind of regrettable for the whole industry because I think it was a great product that missed mm-hmm. its time by months. I know the team was some of the smartest, most innovative people I know. And so I think they had something really strong.
1: Let's talk about, so were you at HTC then when Android launched commercially on Verizon? That day we launched the Droid, which was a Motorola device, and then we also launched the HTC Eros.
2: Yes, I was there. I, at that yes, point,
1: and it, had, it was like, a, yeah, go ahead.
2: I, I will say um, at that point, you know, I was spending less time on the Americas and more globally. Hmm. So I wasn't, I was there. I I remember it, but not with some of the details that we had talked about, you know, previously.
1: Okay. And then you, so I remember the launch of Android uh, very clearly because I was at Verizon when we did not, when AT&T had exclusivity on the iPhone, right? So Uh, Android was like heaven sent for us. Um, but maybe so. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did from there? So you were at HTC, and then what happened?
2: Oh, um, well, if I could just add one thing. Yeah. One of my favorite phones of all time um, was an HTC Verizon Android phone. It was called the HTC Incredible.
1: Yes. And,
2: and it was so awesome. And yes, still, it was. And I still to this day loved it and uh, continue to love it. Uh, I have one, uh, and then they had the you know they had the the second version of it, but it was such a cool. Cool design and a great phone because it was actually a little smaller than some of the other Android phones, mm-hmm. so it's very pocketable. Uh, and uh, that's just—I have a fond memory of that.
1: Yeah, and we can't even have this conversation without talking about the Thunderbolt. Did you have a Thunderbolt?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, of course. Yeah. The built-in <laughs> <Littleton> uh, kickstand.
1: <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. That was the first 4G LTE smartphone.
2: It was. Yeah. It was. And that was a big deal. And it never, you know, really benefited from the 4G LTE like it should have or could have.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, at the time um, that the Thunderbolt launched, I was also working in Northern California for Verizon and uh, we were launching 4G markets like on a pretty regular clip. And so I would have the device and I would be in a 4G market and I would travel out of a 4G market to a 3G market. And woof, that that, uh, backwards compatibility was not always smooth. But yeah. the 4G experience yeah, on remember. that first one was so amazing. It was so fast.
2: Yeah. And if you, you know, like speaking of before I kind of move on to having left HDC, uh, um, but, you know, also, you know, being there for, uh, you know, we unveiled the hero mm-hmm. there. Uh, and in 2010 or 11, you know, HDC was awarded the handset of the year and handset maker of the year. Uh, and I think in Q3, actually, HDC had beat. Um, Apple in sales for the, the third quarter, which was really kind of the last kind of season um, you know, of, of the heyday for, for HTC.
1: So what did you do after you left HTC?
2: So I, so I left HTC in May of 2013, uh, having just launched, I think we just launched the HTC One X, mm-hmm. if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. And I actually went to work at Gogoro, and that's ah. where I currently work today, was, uh, about five years ago. And, and gogoro Go- Go was founded by kind of two Microsoft and HTC alums, uh, uh, founded by Horace Luke, who was uh, the chief innovation officer at HTC, and really um, one of the kind of two key players in HTC's history that really took it from being kind of, you know, an innovator, you know, kind of back-of-the-office brand to a consumer brand through, you know, Hardware innovation, software innovation, and just the overall experience. Uh, and and so I credit you know him with a ton at HTC. But he also um, worked in Microsoft uh, um, research and on Xbox prior to that. Uh, and then the other founder is you know was Matt Taylor, who um, was one of the early, was actually the first mobile phone hardware engineer at Microsoft back in the late '90s. Wow. Uh, and so, um, we actually, this is the third company we worked at, we worked at Microsoft together, we worked at HTC together and now, you know, GoGro has been the third and GoGro is a, you know, not a mobile phone company per se. I think, you know, we kind of rode that, that, um, business to commoditization on the phones and we started this, you know, this company around uh, sustainable energy and transportation for cities. So GoGro sets a battery networks. Uh, for consumers to use in cities for their vehicles. The first vehicle um, uh, being uh, the GoBrow smart scooter, which is like a kind of like a Vespa um, design, but uh, much more forward thinking, much more innovative, uh, faster, but it uses, you know, electric.
1: That's so cool. So
2: that's what we're, that's what I do today.
1: So um, what are the biggest differences that you've seen going from mobile into, well, now it's kind of like you went from mobile into mobility.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think, again, I think, you know, phones are are a business like PCs that are easily commoditized. And so I think today, if you look at the phone business, uh, well, you know, let's just use an example. Last night I bought my 12 year old uh, a $100 LG Android phone. Mm -hmm. And it does outside of being a little slower, not having great camera, it does everything for the most part that my my iPhone or my daughter's iPhone or my wife's Android phone does, and so there's just not a lot um, of differentiation happening uh, in the hardware and the basic software areas of phones. And I think that was something we all saw, and we were kind of ready to, you know, try something new and, and look to see where kind of our innovative thinking could take us. And I think having traveled the world, seeing you know the need for for cleaner transportation and a different energy source uh, in cities was really the impetus for starting Gogoro. Uh, and I think, you know, the difference is uh, it, it's, it, you know, and there hasn't been a lot of innovation in this area for, you know, the mass market in the world's, you know, most densely populated cities. And so innovation becomes, uh, you know, a, a way for you to lead. And I think it makes it a little more difficult for other, you know, companies to enter. But that said, like any huge opportunity, companies are entering the space we're at. And so, It's just a matter of continuing to innovate.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of competition now in the, in, I guess in the States, but it probably outside of the States too with these um, scooter companies, but it's not, it's not like what your company does. They're, it's a whole different value prop.
2: Correct. So you're talking about like kind of last mile scooters, right, like the right. Bird or, or Lion. And yeah, that's not um, what we're talking about. We're talking about more motorcycles yeah. and in the future, you know, smaller cars. Uh, but really, we're, we're focused more on the infrastructure of that, is how do we time shift energy using batteries and battery mm-hmm. systems and battery swapping stations? And so currently, uh, today, you know, in, in Taiwan, we're, we're, we're commercial. We have 100,000 monthly subscribers to our network. Uh, and, uh, we're doing about almost 50,000 battery swaps per day. Yeah. Meaning that someone pulls up their vehicle to one of our swapping stations and in six seconds they can swap out for new batteries and then ride for another, you know, 60 miles.
1: Yeah. There's a company that my, so my last role at Verizon was actually on the ventures team. Uh, That's how I got into venture. And, um, there's a company we invested in called Swift Mile that's here in the Bay area. I don't know if they're outside the Bay area now, but they do, um, it's very similar to solar powered battery stations for electric bikes. It's also a last mile solution.
2: Sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not familiar with them per se, but, um, that, I mean, I think that's the, the future is how do you transition? How do you enable consumers to transition from gas to electric? Now the, the challenges in the U S and the Western world are very different than the challenges in, uh, you know, different parts of the world, you know, in Asia and Africa, et cetera, mm-hmm. where uh, you know, the, the annual uh, income is not as high. Right. You know, I have
0: been in this uh, for a long time.
2: <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you've had a couple different uh, careers in this, in this space. And so it's been fun to kind of go through this with you today, but also just the last, you know, 15 years.
0: Yeah. And it's and, and one reason why I love doing the show with Christie is, is, you know, one, she was at Verizon, but also having that retail experience. Um, it, it's, it's just so interesting to sort of see, uh, have been on the front lines and seeing what people
2: were actually walking in and, and wanting to buy. Yeah.
1: Lots of Motorola cues. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: And, you know, we didn't, and there's, we, I mean, there's so much more to talk about that we, you'll have to have a, a, a second, you know, a podcast at some point, just in terms of like the aha moments in your phone, you know, career as you started getting smartphones the things you did that just blew your mind and now are kind of second nature
0: oh i mean i remember one really specifically when um when i got the trio and i i remember it was a really cold morning and i could just start checking email from bed <laughs> Yeah, and uh and i just remember thinking, i don't have to sit at my desk all day anymore I can just do this while I'm walking around, oh, <laughs> and, no. uh, and it's it, and it's funny how that seemed liberating <laughs> at the time, and now you're yeah. like, oh, now I always have to answer email. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. But 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 at the time, it really felt like I'm unshackled. Yeah, uh, and uh, I'm going to be so. I, I will have you know. I will be able to do this uh, anywhere. But I, but I think for those of us who were were involved in all this stuff. Uh, the one thing uh, that always blows my mind is, is how um, I think we always sort of were like, we could sort of see where things needed to get to. And just well, in terms I'll, of, you know,
2: one of the things I remember uh, is actually when I had a Newton back like in 90. And one of the coolest things the Newton could do, I thought was if you had your contacts and their phone numbers, you could literally put the Newton up to the phone. It would pull style through the phone, the contact that you selected. And I remember thinking, this is groundbreaking. Like, this is so automated, so amazing. Wow. And so that was one really early example of kind of the mix of kind of mobile computing and, and telecom. But then I remember when we launched one of the first smartphones in London, it was called the Orange SPV, uh, that uh, you could, act, there was an app where you could actually say where you were and what what uh, underground stop you wanted to go, and it would actually it would, it would tell you where to About go. You. It was like this automated, yeah. yeah. It was like what Google Maps does now without a GPS. Yeah. Uh, and it was just amazing.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think of what this um, first experience was that kind of blew my mind, if you will. And I'm I'm coming up short right now. It's hard. I actually just switched ecosystem. So I've been using Android uh, for years and years since the Droid launched on Verizon. And I switched to iOS this uh-huh. weekend. And I think I'm a little overwhelmed. Like I got the watch and the pods and <laughs> Oh, wow. I feel like you jumped in. Yeah, I'm trying this whole experience out. It's it's really been a um and a good one so far, but it's been a little bit of like I'm letting go. I'm letting go of my former Android self.
2: And I did that. When I left HTC, I did that. I I kind of switched over to to iOS for the most part, and it's not perfect, but I've 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 enjoyed it more for sure in the last few years. I'm not I don't have the the watch yet. I'm I'm slowly coming around on that, but we'll we'll see.
1: You know, actually, I can share a very recent story. I got this phone. I set it up on Saturday, and I was uh, visiting my friend who has a five-year-old son, and she has an iPhone, and he plays on her iPhone all the time. He'll send me text messages and stuff. And so I have the XS. So as soon as I um, started texting, he said, hey, I don't have that talking monkey on my phone. And I'm like, what are you talking about, bud? And it's the um, Animoji. (laughs) emoji. you know what i'm really impressed with it i thought we played with the animoji feature um with face id for like probably a half an hour and i was like this is really cool i was cool. really into it so yeah, it's yeah.
2: Pretty, I, I say that i i did it when i first got it like a year ago and i haven't used it since but it is pretty cool uh how they've used <laughs> that.
1: a little bit of a novelty maybe
2: okay so i'll
0: wrap it up um anyway again jason thank you so much for for being on joining us um we call the show Zero-G, sort of reference to OG, uh, and mm-hmm. you are absolutely an OG when it comes to mobile. And uh, uh, it's been awesome just to you know hear your stories and kind of hear the journey. And um, man, we may have to do a sequel to this
2: uh, at some point in the near future. Sounds good. Thanks so much for the invite. It was great to participate.
1: Hey, um, Jason, is there any way yep. that people can find you online if they want to um, follow you or learn more about sure. what you're working like on now?
2: Twitter, Instagram, JasonGordonHK. Uh, my company www.gogoro.com g-o-g-o-r-o
1: dot and Peter where are you
2: I'm at Peter Rojas on Twitter
1: and I'm Christy Pitts on Twitter and Instagram alright thanks for listening we'll catch you next time